Hello and welcome to another episode of We, Us, and Ours. This is your host, Charlotte from Chicago, and I want to know, have you ever been curious about how to earn points for luxury travel? Or how about how to use credit cards to get free flights or free hotels? Well, you are in for a treat because today we are having a conversation with our friend and the credit card expert, Eli Facinda. Eli is an incredible, intelligent, and just overall fun guy. I know you will learn a lot from Eli's story and the practical tips that he has to share. So grab a pen, grab some paper, and let's lean in. so excited to to have you here with us today this well first off we need to talk about where you are because both of us are just in like really obscure places so for anyone who doesn't have the pleasure of knowing you yet I want to hear a little bit about you and tell us where you are right now cool cool yeah it's exciting to be on here too thanks for for having me and and getting to share this with the audience it's gonna be really really fun um yeah I'm in Tulum Mexico uh right now so I'm full-time traveling so this has been the spot this week and I'm going to be here for a total of like 10 days. Um, it's been quite an adventure, but that's something that I got into through really just learning how the whole credit and travel hacking world started and, and kind of passion for travel similar to you and uh, having a desire to want to travel while growing a business. So that's what got me into it. And I can dive a little more in the background here, but that's where I'm at right now. And, and it's fun to connect from one beach paradise in Mexico to another in Hawaii to do this. It's pretty cool. I love it. And so what I think is really cool about our our connection is that it just happens so randomly, but orga- like organically and flowy too, was that one of our mutual friends had just replied to one of my stories one day and said, Charlotte, I have to connect you to this guy, Eli. He's doing a lot of cool things with, that you're doing and I need to connect you guys. And I, I trust Renato with my life. So I was like, yeah. okay, sure. If he says he's Indeed. legit, I have to meet him. And one of the core beliefs of this podcast is to make friends in unexpected places. And so sliding into the Instagram DMs and then saying, hey, you want to hop on a call? And now here we are at this podcast, I think really encompasses that, which I love and I I, I get a lot of joy out of. Um, but besides that, also, like you just touched on, I'm in Hawaii. You and I were supposed to overlap for like a little bit, but with timing, we missed each other at the airport by like three hours. I cannot yeah. believe that. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so it's so crazy, especially adding like the COVID rules and everything makes everything a little bit more complicated. It was like, it was this close. But I mean, the way the rate we're traveling at will probably cross paths like so many times, but uh, this is just the first of many. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, you'll never expect where you'll run into someone. I will never forget this till the day that I die. I was walking in Barcelona, Spain by myself. And I had just taken like the little cable car out to the beach. And then I was walking along the path where it's all those like looky, looky guys where they're like, look, look, come by. And yeah. a bike, a bike tour rode by. And I kind of was moving out of the way so they could pass me and someone screamed Charlotte and I jumped out of the way and I looked and it was a girl I went to high school with and I'm like what and I said what are you doing here she's like I'm on a bike tour I can't talk I'll message you and I was like okay like I almost got run over in Barcelona by a girl I went to high school with and I was like oh shout out to Jackie but that's the cool part about 
what you and I talked about even before this of when you have that energy and when you're traveling, you just attract those crazy experiences and crazy cool connections with you. So I love that. And I guess to give a little bit more background for people of why you're in Mexico and what it is that you do, let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And you're, you're absolutely right. And I just want to touch on that. I mean, the amount of times I've been in like random parts of the world, like in Tokyo, I was in a hostel one time, like five years ago, it was me and the only other white guy it was just, well, there was only two of us. And there was like 40 people in the room. We end up naturally just being like, oh, hey, what's up, man? You're American. I'm American. Like was best friends growing up with like my roommate from college. I was like, what? Like, how is that? How is this stuff like that just happen when it's like such a big world? You go to a place all the way across the planet and then like you just know the same person. So pretty Love nuts. Love it. Um, but uh, yeah, so so basically, yeah, I'm all things travel. So when it comes to the businesses I'm in, like the lifestyle that I've tried to create and really focus on, it's about aligning my passions for entrepreneurship and business with travel and bringing them together so that there's not really this gray area of like, or sorry, black and white area where it's like, okay, this is work and this is lifestyle and enjoyment. It's like, well, let's bring them together to, com to really combine the passion and what I love doing um, for a career too. So um, I have two main businesses. One is an international sports tour company. So I have two business partners for that. And we focus on bringing youth sports teams and their families on these trips overseas to compete in international tournaments. So really what that actually means is basically combine like a youth sports tournament or, you know, exhibition tour, like hockey, baseball, lacrosse, whatever it is for 13 to 17 year olds, combine that with family vacation where they all go. And then combine that with like a, you know, 10 day cultural experience where they're going to tour all the main sites, have all the travel handled for them and like get this really cool cultural immersion, meeting local athletes, eating dinners with their families and stuff like that. So that's, that's the main thing there. And that's what got me into travel um, and entrepreneurship to start. And then through that, as a business owner, I was looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, saving some money with, with my two partners. And we were saying, hey, you know, we're traveling all the way to Japan or Italy or the Dominican Republic, wherever it was to set up these trips and events. How do we save a few bucks on a big line item for us, a big cost, which is travel. So we're like, oh, this points thing might do it. So I started to look at it and then I realized like, huh, you know, I'm young and I'm hustling. I'm like entrepreneurial minded, but I'm working like three jobs at the time. You know, I'm like maybe four. I was like doing this building a tour company, driving Uber, coaching baseball and working in a restaurant. So I'm like doing everything I can to make it work. And I was like, I want to travel, but I definitely didn't have the money. And I certainly didn't have the money to do anything in like luxury. And I was like, oh, this points thing could maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, open some doors. And so I started diving in and basically just nerded out on the topic. I got really nerdy on it, started applying it for the company, for myself. And then that turned into people basically asking me how to do it. And that turned into a coaching program where I really focused on helping entrepreneurs Pretty much work smart, not work hard to leverage credit so they can get free luxury travel while scaling their business with business credit too. So it all kind of falls under the one umbrella. So that's that the full story. And that's, that's how I got here. Oh, I love it. And what, what you what you said that really resonated with me was prioritizing travel and going into that saying, well, I don't have a whole lot of money. I'm, I'm young. I'm in my twenties but I want to do this. This is something that I really value. So how can I make it work? And I think that the idea of working for jobs, like you have that grind mentality and I love that. And for some people they're like, well, I, I wanna do it, but I don't wanna do it that much. So being able to hire someone like you that that geeked out on it, that knows everything about it is, is amazing. And I joke around that it's like adult couponing for me. Like when I was a kid, I would do like a little bit of like couponing here and there, but I don't need seven bottles of soap. I would much rather like, spend my time learning how I can fly first class to to Paris and things like that so exactly 
I want to dive into that more of what that journey looked like for you and how to practically be able to help people with this. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the journey for me, just to start there, um, I start out where most people start out, which is like, you get excited and then you're like, where do I start? And you start reading these blogs and all of a sudden you realize like, oh, there's a lot more to this game than I thought. So I kind of took a step back and was like, do I really want to learn this? And for a while I was like, eh, I kind of passively did it. And then I was like, no, I really want to double down because I want to be able to travel as much as I want, wherever I want, and really never have to have cash be the limitation for travel because it is a priority for me. And, and I, I do want to touch on that for a second too, because um, you talk about the idea of prioritizing travel. A lot of people put it off. Like they're like, ah, oh, someday when I have the money, I'll travel. Someday when I'm like retired and have the time, I'll travel. Or someday when I have the freedom, I'll travel. That day never really comes unless you create it. And so or being able to travel for free with points, it just removes the barriers from taking the trips you want to take because now cost isn't an issue. And then if you have, if you are entrepreneurial and you have a business and you have the ability to be location free and somewhat time free as well, it gives you so many more options to be like, yeah, let's go, let's do this tomorrow. And to me, that idea of freedom and being able to just like go places you want to go and meet awesome people, explore the world is like, to me, there's nothing better than that. Um, so that's what I love doing. That's what I love sharing. And that was kind of the journey of why I really got into it. Because once I saw that possibility for myself, I was like, yeah, I need to do this. Like, there's there's no doubt about it, right? Um, but one thing I would just say, if you're listening to this and like you're thinking about how do I prioritize travel, it's important to, I think, put it in the right context too. Because for some people, you know, travels and vacations, if they look at like a budget, they put it as like an expense. It's a liability, right? If you were looking at it from an accounting term. Okay, so we're going to get a little nerdy here. But what can how can travel become an asset for you? Like, what else does it do? Well, how many cool people are you going to meet that are going to open your mind, create new connections that could be business, life, whatever it is, how much more of an interesting person are you going to be when you have all this travel background experience where maybe you meet a future potential business partner and you have so many more conversations and depths and experiences to connect with them on, to relate to them on, it makes you more of a unique person. So there's, I could, that list could go on, you know, but understanding why travel can really add value to your life beyond just it being fun is a really important piece of saying like, yeah, this is a pretty big priority. So for me, that was part of the journey too, is more of like a mental shift of like why I want this to be just a, a key staple of my lifestyle. Um, and so from there, you know, I can touch a little bit on kind of how the actual process works and dive into that as well. But I wanted to make sure, I, I actually wanted to ask you, like, you know, I think it'd be cool for some listeners to hear from your side, you know, what got you so attracted to it as well? Because there's so many cool travelers you meet on the road and everyone has kind of a different path into it. And I'd be curious to know for you the same thing. Yeah. So I'm shockingly a really big people person. Um, and so for me, one of the best parts about traveling is meeting people that you would not meet on in your normal day-to-day -day life. And some of my best friends, one of my best friends in the entire world, she's from Scotland. She currently lives in Germany. And we met uh, when we were both studying in Paris and we had gone on this like college trip to Belgium for the weekend. And I was walking around with my GoPro and she walked up and pointed to it and said, what's that? It's a camera. And the, the conversation sparked. And now we've spent like Christmas together in Germany. And I visited her in Scotland and she's one of my best friends. And I have millions of stories like that of just meeting really cool people like trying really good foods and just learning. And I studied international business in college. So all of it really helped further my, my education. And exactly what you said was that I learned that travel was so much more than, oh, having fun and going swimming at the beach or eating food at a different restaurant, but it's really a mindset and lifestyle change. And you know, probably better than, than anyone that like 
a lot of things go wrong when you travel, like everything that can go wrong will go wrong. So you have to learn how to handle issues in the moment. I once made a mistake and I had a flight flying out at midnight from Manila to Sydney, Australia, and I showed up at the airport on the wrong day. So when you're solo backpacking Southeast Asia and you show up at the airport, 24 hours before your flight, you have no cash left. You have like in that country currency, you have no load in the Filipino SIM that you have in your phone. And you're like, well, gotta figure this out. And so travel helps just really keep your mind fresh because you have to learn how to deal with these situations really quickly. And I think that's one of the other unique things that just made me say, okay, I love the fun and challenge of this. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. There's a, there's a pretty cool quote. I think it might be like Tony Robbins or something like that actually, but it's, it's like the quality of your life is in directly proportion to the amount of uncertainty that you can comfortably live with. And I feel like you're a hundred percent spot on. Like you're constantly just pushing new boundaries of like how uncomfortable you can feel. And really, you know, it's kind of corny, but it's like getting out of your comfort zone consistently. And it just like makes things so much easier. And, and to your point, I've had to deal with so much stuff. And then when you add in group travel and those logistics, like talk about like your flight getting canceled. It's also, a different level when you're in Rome and like you have a flight for 35 people and that flight gets canceled and you're standing in the airport and everyone's looking at you like, what are we doing? How are we getting home? And you're like, here we go. All right, let's go to work. So um, yeah, so I'm totally with you on that. And um, yeah, so to bring it back to the, to the travel hacking side, I mean, I'm happy to kind of break out those kind of key five steps. If you think that would be a good thing to dive into. Definitely. Awesome. Awesome. So if we're looking at, you know, the five steps you really want to master, if you want to start to leverage this stuff, and uh, be able to travel for free, um, there's really five key master steps. And so number one is gonna be optimize your personal credit. So that means your credit score and your credit report, because ultimately what we're doing is we're earning points from credit cards and programs, primarily that's the main way. And to get that, you have to get approvals and to get approvals, you have to be optimal for what a bank wants to see, which means you have good credit, right? Step two is gonna to be to earn the right types of points. And that's because there's so many different points out there and they can be used in different ways that you wanna make sure you're earning the right ones that give you the most value and are the right ones for you, okay? Step three is gonna to be to maximize how much you earn. So this is gonna be, um, there's a couple of different ways that you can do this, but we wanna make sure now we've got the right points that we have, how do we amp up how many we earn so that we can just continue to travel without um, running out of them? And then step four off of that is how do you use them really effectively so that when you do have points, you don't just burn through them all in one trip and then basically be done and be like, oh, now I can't really travel free again. Like, how do you keep it consistent? And then the last step specifically for people that are pretty, pretty busy, whether you're a parent, you're an entrepreneur, or a business owner, or just a busy person um, is systemizing it and basically automating as much as possible so that you don't have to worry about all the small details and you're not constantly thinking about this as like a part-time job because that is absolutely going to really take away any of the, any of the upside from doing this. Um, so those are the five steps, but first I want to just create um, a little bit of a, um, an insight to people. If you're, if you're not sure like what this really means to travel free and like what's possible, I want to make sure that's crystal clear because that's the biggest thing. If you, if you're going to get into this, you need to know why. And ultimately, you know, when it comes to free travel, there's different layers and there's really three main outcomes that people have when it comes to travel hacking. There's kind of one, which is like these aspirate, I call them aspirational luxury trips, right? So this is like the Emirates A380 plane, like champagne in the sky. There's a bar, there's caviar, the there's shower. A shower. Yeah. This is like what Casey Neistat's doing on YouTube. Like, look at this thing, right? And these are like 18, $25,000 tickets. Outrageous, right? Like insane luxury. Then you've got kind of, and so I call it aspirational or dream luxury. And then you got a step below that, which is what I call practical luxury. And so that's what I personally, personally get into. And that means like, look, I'm going to be flying from LA to Miami 
for a couple different events a year, like doing that route. I want to be able to fly first class when I do it. I want to get lounge access and I want to get free bags. I want to get champagne. I want to get a light flat seat, but it's like a route seat. (laughs) That's the key. Um, But I don't necessarily, I'm not going to go out of my way to just fly like Singapore first class because they have like one of the craziest ones. Right. So I wanted to like fit what I'm already doing with my lifestyle, but just elevate it. And that would go same for hotels. Like, can I get a hotel for free instead of staying at a three-star downtown? Can I stay at a five-star on the beach? That kind of thing. Um, and then the, the third category would be less for people that like even care about the luxurious side. It would be more just like you're not traveling at all. And the only reason is really because of cost. And whether that's because you don't have the money or you just don't feel, you feel too restricted to spend the money, then this gives you a tool to justify being like, yeah, this is a good idea. Like it's free. I can do it. Um, and, uh, and within all that, you also need to factor in the aspect of taxes, which is what no one talks about in the points and miles and travel world. So think about this. Let's say you spend $5,000 on a trip in a year, right? Or a couple trips. Normally, whether you're an employee or a business owner, let's assume that trip is not a write-off. Okay, for you, maybe it can be. For me, it can be. But for most people, that's not the case. Um, so let's assume it's not. You are paying, let's call it 25% in taxes to get the $5,000 to then pay for the trip, right? So that trip effective cost to you isn't 5,000. It's 5,000 plus 25%, which is basically somewhere like whatever, 6250 or something like that. Okay, so if you're using points, they're non-taxable. So now you're not just saving on the 5,000, but you're saving on what you were getting taxed on, specifically if you're a business owner, because you could keep that in the business, keep it in other investments, and then use the points to travel so you don't have to even take that money out of your business to use as a part of your lifestyle. Okay, so those are a couple things putting into context um, in terms of like the overall steps and then why it's important to understand like what this can do for you. So yeah, anything on, on your side on that you want to jump in with? Yeah, no, I just, I think it's, it's so important that you brought up that there's three different levels of like points and stuff because, so I fly back from Hawaii um, in mid June and I was thinking because of the travel boom now here in Hawaii, flights have gotten more expensive because it's open and it's the closest thing a lot of Americans will get to international travel this year. And so I was booking my flight back and I said, you know what, I'm just gonna book it on points. And I ended up using Delta. I transferred some Amex miles to them because uh, the the one-to-one trade, I'm like, okay, I'm, I've been learning all that stuff recently. And I'm sitting economy, but it costs 20,000 points. But it's, it's a seven, six hour, seven hour flight from Honolulu to LA. I said, you know what? I'm fine with that right now. I'm saving myself $300. And that that works for where I'm at in my life right now. Maybe a year down the line, I wouldn't use it for an economy seat. But not beating yourself up and saying, well, I'm going to use miles for what works for my life right now, instead of like planning ahead. I, so I think that, of course, I'd rather fly in a lay flat seat, but I didn't have that option right now, unless I wanted to spend a hundred thousand miles, which wasn't worth it. So I think it's cool, really emphasizing the fact that you can do it for what phase of life you're in and what works best for your lifestyle. There's not a right or a wrong way to do it. Totally. Yeah. And if you're, if this conversation interests you, there's so many cool uh, bloggers and like Instagram, um, uh, like Instagram accounts to follow that are on this topic. But one of the things that you'll see that is hilarious, cracks me up because there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the world, good, bad, and different, but there's definitely like third world problems. And then we all have a saying like, oh, first world problems. And then there's like a notch above that. And that's called like travel hacker first world problems, which is like, oh, my lay flat seat. Like they only had this bottle of champagne on the flight. Like, I can't believe, like, you see these blogs and like, ah, uh, yeah, negative reviews for this airline because they cut, they reduced their, um, you know, pre-flight service in the lounge from this to this. And it's like, it's already free and it's insanely luxurious. Like, 
it's it's pretty funny what people complain about be like sit uh, down please like yeah exactly. i would like you to go fly economy and sit in the middle seat and then tell me that you're gonna complain about that i know i know and yeah and i mean i don't know what percentage of the world hasn't even been on an airplane before but it's important to keep that perspective right so um yeah so you nailed it you nailed it. it's definitely it's it's a different thing for for each type of person um so i would say just dig in and don't get caught up if you're following other people like that you have to be flying first class and luxury stuff it's like really what do you want it to be so and, uh, and that will come down to, again, your priorities and how much you want to be traveling. Um, so, yeah, so with that, if, uh, if we want to jump in, I can talk a little bit about um, some of the aspects of optimizing your personal credit, because if we don't get this right, none of the rest happens, right? This is the, the kind of the entrance into the amusement park, if you will, like get your tickets to ride the ride. We're not getting in the, in the park unless you have a good score. So I can kind of dive into that um, and then we could go over a couple kind of common questions here too. Absolutely. Got to lay the foundation. Awesome. Awesome. So, so when it comes to optimizing your personal credit, there's kind of two aspects. All right. So there's um, optimizing your credit report and score. And there's also really understanding the rules of the different banks because the rules will dictate like your application process. If you really want to get into this, because essentially what you're doing is you're opening different cards with different banks. And while you're doing this, your credit score will actually increase. It will get better if you do it the right way, but there's certain rules and sequences that you want to follow to make sure that you're playing by the bank's rules. You're not violating any of like they're kind of unwritten rules, which means that you would just get auto denied. So you want to make sure you're getting approvals. So when it comes to your credit score, you really want to be at around 700 at least, ideally 720 to get most travel rewards cards. If you're like 750, you're pretty much going to get approvals for anything as long as you're like within their other rules. Um, and so if you're below that, then there's a couple of things that you'd want to re that I'd recommend. Number one, if you have negatives on your report, and what that means is do you have late payments, collections, charge offs, bankruptcies, all this stuff? I would look at going to seek out a credit repair company to look at your options there because a lot of times they'll be able to help get things off of your credit report, which will drastically improve your score. Okay. So that's option one. Now there's a second side to improving your score, which is called, I call credit improvement. That's adding good things on. Okay. So if you look at the different factors of credit, there's five factors. Payment history is the biggest utilization, which is the percentage that you use versus how much you um, are being lent to. That's number two. Age of accounts is number three. And then uh, credit mix is number four and new credit is number five. So if you look at that, you want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to add positive things to all those other factors. So for payment history, you want to have as many on-time payments as you can on your credit cards. Okay. So one of the ways, the best ways to do this is to actually get something called an authorized user account, which is when like a parent or a friend or someone with a really good credit card history will add you to their card. Now they don't have to give you the card and nothing that you do can impact them. It's a one-way street, but the history from that card is going to show up on your credit report. It's huge because if you have a young average age and you need to get that thing older, you have a parent with a 25 year old card add you, your average age just went way up. That's huge. I, I did not know that because I'm thankful I had a credit card starting when I was like 19. So I'm 24 now. So I have at least a couple years of credit history under my belt, but I have some friends, bless their hearts. They have like a $500 credit limit because they're like, I didn't start this until I was like 22. And so that is a that's a big game changer. Huge, huge. It's the fastest way to make a quick change. There's some cards and I don't want to get too much in the details, but there's some cards that don't report some that do all that mm -hmm. stuff. And some only report certain factors based on the card type. So you just want to check it out, like look at it or hit me up and ask questions if you have it. But yeah, it's really big because that will impact your average age, all the on-time payment history. If they've been paying that card for 30 years on time, you know, 30 years times 12 is what, how many is that? 360. 
something like that. Math's I'm not so great. bad at mental math. I yeah, will like openly be like, <laughs> I'm, I'm 24. I like to think I'm smart. I have a college education. I right. have a biz- business. I count on my fingers and I'm like, yeah. no, no. Yeah, that's, that's high. But you'd have that many on-time payments showing up on your report, which is massive. Okay. So essentially again, to, to credit bureaus uh, or sorry, credit bureaus are collecting the data. They're taking an algorithm and taking all the facts of your credit and creating a score out of it. Now that score is going to say like, okay, they have a lot of on-time payments. It means they're credit worthy. They're, they're trustworthy, right? Even though it's an authorized account that may be adding. So you want to do that. And then the other thing, a lot of hang up that people get is they're so nervous to open a, another account. They have, they're sitting here with three credit cards and like, well, I would have to close one to open another. Like I don't open too many accounts, right? It's actually the exact opposite. Now the key here is you want to do it slowly and over time because to have a perfect credit score, you actually have to have over 21 different accounts reporting to your report. Okay. To have a perfect score. Cause they want to think about logically banks want to see that you've borrowed from a variety of different lenders for a long time with a money, many different accounts. And you've been consistent and on time. If you only have two accounts, they're like, I don't really know that much about this person. So they want to see that you have more. They just don't want you to open all 21 in the first year. Right. So you yeah. do it. They're you like, you haven't three. failed, but like, we also don't trust you yet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like the trust is earned, not just given up front. Right. So, so that's, that's a big thing as well. Um, and those would be a couple of things on the score. Right. And so you want to make sure you're checking your right score too, because there's two types of scores. There's one called a FICO score and one called a Vantage score. Now lenders, 90% of them are checking your FICO score when you go to apply for a card. So if you're checking your credit karma where you're checking it for free online, it's typically a Vantage score. And so you just want to make sure that you check your actual FICO score. Normally they're going to be close to the same, but sometimes they actually vary quite a bit just based on how the algorithm works. So you want to make sure you check that so you know before you apply where you're at. Okay. And for logistics wise, for people that don't know where you can check it, I, I check mine through my actual bank. Like Chase allows you to check it, Wells Fargo, like all that stuff. So you should be able to, if you're wondering, you're like, oh, where do I view this? You should be able to view it through your bank, correct? Yeah. Correct, yeah, a lot of cards will give it to you for free. Usually if you're going online, you need to pay for your FICO, Vantage will be free. And if you're just, if you know your FICO is good and you just wanna check like what change in your report, I'll usually check my Vantage just really quick like that. Or I pay for a credit monitoring service where I pay for my FICO score. Um, you go to uh, creditchecktotal.com. They're going to do like a $1 free trial or, well, it's not free, $1 trial for a week. You can get all three credit bureaus, your credit report and scores. So that's one way or check your cards. Um, and then there's the three credit bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And you just want to take a, a glance across all three to make sure like they're all kind of close because sometimes things can vary too. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's the the first step there. It's kind of, we just went pretty in depth on that. But that's optimizing your personal score and report. And then understand some of these rules. So I'm not going to go into all of them here, but there's a bunch of different rules for different banks. Uh, one of the well-known ones is called the Chase 524 rule. And so it basically says that if you've gotten five or more cards in the last two years, personal cards, then you will basically get denied automatically for any Chase card, right? So with that in mind, you need to make sure you know like what that actually means because it's any card that shows up in your personal credit report, all right? So a lot of people will be like, if you got five cards in the last 24 months, you won't get Chase cards. Not quite. If you got business cards, those don't show up on your personal credit report unless there are a couple of certain banks and they do. So you want to understand which ones show up, which ones don't like authorized user accounts, those would show up. So you just need to know that if you're going to apply for chase cards and you're doing a little bit of credit building before understand where you're at with that number and look at a couple of, you can just Google some of the bank rules and start to figure it out if you want. Okay. Um, so that's the whole first step. Now, step two is earn the right points. And so this is where you really want to have a specific strategy to understand like which points are worth what. And the best points, just basically to break it out, there's two two main kind of categories. There's brand like loyalty points, which would be like your Delta points, your Amex, or sorry, your American points, United, Hilton, Hyatt, whatever it is, like specific to a brand. And then there's what we call transferable points, like you were talking about. 
with Amex or Chase or City or Capital One, you can turn them in to these brand points, right? So if you're looking at which points to earn, you always want to start with the flexible ones as much as possible because it gives you the most options. Like if you have a flight from Hawaii and you're flying Delta, but like, let's say American operated that and you didn't have American Airlines points and you only had Delta points, then you'd be done. But if you have mm-hmm. Amex points, you could book any of them, right? Or you could mm-hmm. transfer them to American Airlines partners and do them. So that's the second step. Third step is maximize how much you earn. And so this is going to be through signup bonuses, which is basically, hey, you spend $4,000 in the first 90 days and you get X number of points. And then the second side is going to be to basically align the everyday spending that you have with your types of purchases. So that's going to be like finding a card that matches, you know, if you spend a lot on groceries or dining or Ubers, get cards that match where your highest expenses are to get accelerated bonuses. And these are small, but they'll add up over time. But if you're a business owner and you have a significant amount of spend, like some work with a lot of marketing, uh, digital marketing agencies, they spend sometimes tens of thousands of dollars a month on social media ads. So it makes sense to get like the Amex business gold that gets 4X on that, right? So you want to think about like what expenses you have and align that well. Um, Absolutely. And And I feel like also for people that are like beginners, one thing that you always want to be mindful of is like an annual fee. So there are certain cards that you're like, oh, this might have a great benefit. But then you look and you're like, oh, that's a $500 annual fee. You're like, this might not be for me. And so like, depending on where you're starting out, you can find a card that works for you that has a zero annual fee, $95. And then you can work your way up. And like, I had a Chase card with a $95 annual fee when I first graduated college. I was like, this is what I want. And now that I'm out and a little more adulting, I got the Amex that has the Amex Platinum that has a much higher annual fee. But again, there's nothing, it's no right or wrong. It's just what works for you in that chapter. So along with signup fees, paying attention to the annual fee is something that's super important. And certain ones will like waive it for the first year too. So if you're new into all of this, definitely make sure that you're paying attention to that factor as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and do look at like the benefits and credits and like, cause I have, I have a lot of credit cards and a lot of them do have fees, but I'm getting more value out of the card than the fee is like, for example, the Amex uh, gold, for example, has a $250 annual fee. If you just look at that, it's pretty high. Taking the fact you're earning points, take that out of it. Just look at the benefits you get. So they do at, at just two of the, the ones off the top, they do a $10 a month Grubhub credit and $10 a month Uber credit. So that's 120 bucks in each. So that's 240 total. The fee is 250. So if you're going to take one Uber a month and order one thing from Grubhub a month, the, the card fee is only like $10. Yeah, exactly. So if you look at it, sometimes you can make more off the card just from having it. It just depends again, like, are you going to use those or not? So that's a really good point. Um, and then you can also downgrade cards too. So like you get a card and then after the first year, you know, maybe you got the bonus, had a great bonus and you don't like it. You call into the bank and say, hey, I was thinking about canceling. You make sure that they don't actually cancel it, but hey, I was thinking about it. I just didn't see the value. Can you downgrade me to the no fee version? Because these cards are kind of like families. So there's like the luxury car, you know, like if you look at like a Lexus, like there's a luxury mid-tier and then the the budget one. You can downgrade to the budget one. And then that way you keep the credit line open, keep the credit building, hit the credit history building, but you don't pay the fee anymore, right? So so that's there. Now the last two steps. So we have use your points effectively. This is definitely the most complicated part by far. Um, It can get very complex depending on how much you really want to dive in. But on a high level, what I talked about before is where you're going to find the best value. And that is kind of what you did, which is transferring your points. Okay. So what you really need to know is that if you're going to get a bunch of points with these like banks, you can go through their, what they call like their portals. Okay. Which is going to look a lot like Expedia or booking.com where you search and it shows you all the different routes and airlines. Right. So you can use them through there. And that's basically going to give you a, um, 
a, a rate of points directly proportional to how much the cash cost is. So the, the cost goes up, the number of points goes up. Okay. But the way airlines and hotels price things, they base them, they price them based on like for airlines, for example, the distance you're flying or the region you're flying. So the price might go up if in cash, but the points amount would stay the same based on the region you're flying, assuming they still have like seats available. Right. So that's where you find the best deals is where you're basically taking those points and maybe it's last minute or it's just an expensive flight and you transfer them and you find a way to basically book it for a lot less. So in one example, I flew from LA to Miami. It was a $4,300 first class seat. If I was going to pay cash, which is outrageous. Yeah. If I was going to use Amex points. It was 430,000 because I would have gotten one cent per point. But because I knew how to transfer like other points into American airlines, some Marriott points that I had, it was only 30,000 points. Nice. So it's not just free, but you get basically, if you're doing that, I was getting 14 seats for every one that most people are getting if they're just using the portal. So you see how like, I'm kind of same thing for like what you did it would, it would save you a lot. Right. Yeah. And I think what you, what you just touched on very briefly there too, like saying Marriott, like we've mostly talked about flights because that's something that you and I do a lot is flying and we have a lot of friends. So sometimes we stay with friends. And so you don't think about it as much with doing like hotels, because also when I travel, when I'm out of the country, a lot of times I'll stay in hostels, but also these points, especially when you're like, you're earning points with Chase and Amex, you can transfer those to like Hilton and Marriott. And so those are other options that if you're looking to like save money when you're traveling, you may want to actually pay cash for your flight. And then you're kind of balling out more by redeeming points for hotels. Like that is other options that sometimes people, especially on social media are just like, oh, points for flights, points for flights. You're like, well, depending on what you're doing, you could be balling out in a, in a nice hotel or hotels are just really expensive in Paris. And so if you can bank something for 15,000, 20,000 a night, that might save you way more than spending $500 on the flight instead of using app for points, you know? You nailed it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, depends on where you're going. Like if you, like if you're going to Miami right now from New York, the flight's probably going to be, I mean, you could probably find that for anywhere from 150 to $300 in economy, right? Pretty easily. But a hotel, if you're going to South beach per night is going to be 300 plus per night. Like they're expensive. A lot of times you're going somewhere nice. So to be able to use them strategically for hotels is important too. Um, and there are hotel cards as well. And then there's also ways to transfer these transferable points into hotels and get really good value there too. So it's definitely not only for flights. It's a great point. And, and I do want to touch on that last, that last piece. I find it kind of fun just to have like a, a, a total plan B in life. Like if everything goes wrong, like, what am I going to do? Right? Like business fails, the world ends, like what, what's life like? I have enough, uh, Amex points right now where I already have like a plan B. I'm like, Oh, I'd go to Medellin, Colombia. I already know the exact spot for the Amex portal I found. I have enough points to live for six months, accommodations and breakfast every day, just off of the points. And I was like, that's kind of a cool feeling. Like whatever happened in life, like I have a six month runway where I could go there and just you're like- You're kind of there. like a doomsdayer, but instead of like a bunker, you're just fleeing yeah. to Colombia. <laughs> that is exactly, that is hilarious. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. See, that, that's the funny thing because I, this is what a, like a rabbit hole I could go down, which I won't, but it's about how like personal finance isn't taught in like the American school system. And it drives me crazy, but people talk about that. You should have like an emergency fund. Like you should have three months worth of like rent to like in your accounts, like saving all this stuff. See, you just, you just have six months worth of life in emergency points. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, totally. That's a hundred percent it. Who needs cash when you can, when you can shortcut it. Um, exactly. And 
one thing that I do want to talk about too, because I've heard people ask about this because I am nowhere near as experienced as you are with like points and credit cards and stuff, but I've been learning, but people have asked me, they're like, oh, well, what about like those company credit cards where they're like, oh, at Ulta or at like a department store. And I'm like, stop, don't, don't even finish the sentence. Don't go into it. It's not worth it. And I want to know if you have the same beliefs there, but I have yet to find one that I'm like, this is worth it. If you're going to open credit cards, it probably shouldn't be with just like only using it at that store. Yes. So it depends on your goal and where you're at. I do want to be clear on that too, because for some people, it's kind of rare that would really make sense. There's kind of two people that would make sense for. Number one is for some reason, you really truly do spend a ton at that store, which is very rare. People ask about the Apple card. I'm like, are you spending a crazy amount at Apple? Probably not. So not really. But that's number one, like, like an Amazon card, that's different because that's, you know, that's not really one specific store, but like that might make sense if you buy a lot on Amazon. Some people order everything, like they're getting Whole Foods delivered from Amazon. That, that kind of makes sense, right? So that's one category. But for what you're talking about specifically, if you want to travel, then absolutely not. I would not use that card. Um, the only time that I would say it makes sense otherwise is if your credit score isn't great and you need a card to help build credit history. Oftentimes these store cards are a lot easier to get. They're going to give you a much lower limit in most cases, um, but they're a lot of times easier to get. So if you're having a really hard time getting approvals for other cards, you know, getting a Best Buy card or a Sephora card or whatever the store is, sometimes might be a little bit of an easier approval. Um, it just has to do with like how you're applying like at the checkout counter and stuff. But I don't recommend it. I don't have any of those. Um, I would personally say if you want to travel, save your applications and inquiries because that's part of what you're doing is you have to be strategic with how many inquiries you have on your report to some degree and how many new cards you're opening to be in accordance with some of these rules. So I would say save them for the travel cards if you actually want to get travel. You know? mm -hmm. Definitely. And one thing that I also want to chime in off of that, and this will be a shameless plug for both of us, is that if you're listening to this and you want to hear more about travel, credit cards, and you're thinking about this, one of the best ways to help yourself and help one of the people here talking is by referrals. And so that's something that I want to dive into is that you can refer someone. And I got the Amex card because I met a woman who she's like, oh, my husband works at Amex. She walked through all this stuff with me and she's like, here, use my referral code so that I get like this many thousand points when you sign up. And so that is a great way to be able to personally help someone and also completely benefit yourself too. So I want to hear more about your thoughts on that. Huge, huge. And yeah, actually, that is one of the other ways in terms of maximizing points. There's two that I didn't talk about because they're lesser known, but referrals is a huge one. Some of these cards will give you up to 75,000 points per year in referrals. If I do that, like I'll max those out because I'm traveling, I'm promoting this stuff. So people are always asking me for recommendations, but that is like 75,000 on two cards. Let's call it the chase cards. It's 150,000 chase points. Again, I'm going to get a little nerdy here, but if you know how to value your points, I value chase points at about two cents a point. So that's 150,000. That's like $3,000 worth of free travel, at least just from referrals. And that's just two cards. And I have a lot of other ones that get referrals too. So when you start to do that, yeah, you earn a lot, a lot of points. Um, if you're someone that wants to travel a lot and you share this stuff on social, you know, you can mention like, Hey, let me know if you have questions on how to do this. As you start to learn it, you can start to share it with other people. You don't have to be like a professional travel hacker. There's no real uh, stamp or like certification you get to do that. So just um, you can share it and totally get referrals. And the other, the other one I just want to touch on is the shopping portals. I don't really spend a ton of time on this, but there's a couple where people, if you want to find some cool stuff, message me, I'll send you some great accounts for this. But like people like double and triple stack these 
you know, bonuses. Love on the a shopping card. portals. You like them? Okay. Yeah. You're big on it then. Well, That's good. Okay. Well, it's because I guess during the pandemic, obviously I was doing a lot more online shopping. And I think the biggest thing for me, um, shockingly, I'm not really wearing much makeup while I'm out here in Hawaii because I would sweat it all off, but I spend a lot of money at Ulta. And so the best thing for me would be to use a shopping portal. So I would get like bonus points. Typically I would do it with Alaska. Um, and so I would get Alaska points by using the shopping portal. And then I would get chase points on top of it. And I would do just the pickup like at the store about two hours later. So I didn't even have to deal with shipping. So I'm like, this is just a win-win all around. And then I get points at Ulta that I can use in reward. So I was like, I just, I love it. And I don't know if you go into the dining portals at all, but the dining portals have been really clutch for me in New York city as well. Yeah. Those can be big. I don't, I don't focus too much on those mostly because of the general person that I'm generally helping is super, super busy. And it's like small things end up just taking up a lot of mental space, but they're crazy deals. Like I even did, um, sorry, mom, if you're listening for this, but I did like my mother's day flowers. It was like, I had a card that was like, get $20 off when you spend like whatever, 60 or more. And then I got another, I used a portal with that. That got me like 10 X points for that. So I got, you know, a few hundred points plus $20 off. So like when I calculated, I was like, damn, this was like 30 plus 30% plus off for that. Like, so yeah. it could be cool. you know, it could be fun, but um, it's amazing. The portals and yes. The dining portals, because what I, what I like to do with, so for anyone who's not familiar with the dining portals, it's that these major airlines like Delta, American, Alaska, they have these partnerships with restaurants. And so what you have to do is you just have to register your credit card to their portal. And it doesn't have to be an American card or a Delta card. It's any, any card. And you go and dine at one of these restaurants and you pay with that card that's registered. And then you have to leave a review of your dining experience on their portal website. And then you get a certain amount of miles per dollar. So it's for the first little bit, at least with Alaska, it was like you would get three miles per dollar spent. And then after your first 10 visits, it would be bumped up to five points per dollar spent. And in New York, anytime you're going out to eat, you're spending money, you're spending a good chunk of change. And if your friends really like you and they don't want to deal with splitting the tab, you put it all on yours and you have them Venmo you. So you get all the bonus points there. And it just, it just snowballs. Absolutely. Yeah. And since I've gotten super nerdy in this, like there are times when we got to dinner, I'm probably overly annoying with some people on it, but like, I've had friends that, you know, they pull like a debit card dinner. I'm like, do not even dare. Like, Oh no. Get that out of here. But normally we go to dinner. It's like, everyone's like looking at each other, like, I'll take it. No, no, no. I got it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Like, like you've been, (laughs) no, it's not a big deal. I'll I'll handle this. They're like, Uh, I want, I want the points. And that's the, that's the nice thing that I've been doing here. So for anyone who's been like, well, why would I get a travel card? I haven't been traveling because of the pandemic that a lot of companies have been thinking about that. So the Amex travel card that I have, I got for the first like six months, I'm getting 10 times the points at grocery stores, which is huge. And so one of the cheap ways that I've been doing it is also I've been getting like a Visa gift card while I'm there to add to it so that I can use that gift card at other locations that aren't the grocery store. But between like my house with my two roommates, they don't like grocery shopping. So I just go put it all on my card. We just itemize it. And it, there's there's lots of ways you can get points. But I feel like in the current day and age that we live in, you should be getting points with pretty much every purchase. And it's not absurdly challenging to do so. 
Correct. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of figuring out the system and, and learning what's going to work best for you. Um, and that's awesome. Yeah. When you do that kind of stuff with the gift cards, it can really stack up a lot. You do just want to be careful to a certain degree. If you start to research this online, there's a whole topic called manufactured spending. It's called like MS and a lot of people get into it, but if you go too far, they'll shut your card down and just block you forever. So like, just be careful with what you do mm-hmm. because sometimes like Amex has a thing called L- level three data where they can see the purchases and transactions on there. And some people for a long time were doing these crazy things with gift cards and they weren't like buying other things. They were just spending like tens of thousands of dollars a month on gift cards, taking them to Walmart, liquidating them, sending themselves back the money, basically taking the cash out. And so they were turning all these points and then the banks just like canceled their cards. And they had like that's millions wild. of points and the whole thing. Yeah. So you don't want to get in that, but yes, most like people, my, not my casual going to buy like a hundred dollar gift card here and there. What with my like hundred dollars worth of groceries, like totally fine. Totally. Shouldn't, totally fine. shouldn't be too bad, but no, um, no, no, the, but exactly what you were talking about. There's so many different options and ways to go about getting points and learning about this kind of stuff. And just listening to to conversations like this is just a great way to to learn more and get connected. And so what are some ways that people can get connected to, to you personally if they really resonated with what you were saying today? Yeah, for sure. The main way, honestly, is Instagram. That's where I share most of my stuff. Um, so I'm doing stuff on stories all the time saying, hey, like, here's how I got this thing. Or here's like, look, check out this lounge and I got it with this card. Um, and I'm like, okay, now I'm transferring points to here. And, and you can follow along as well as just the fun travel adventures as well. Um, so Instagram is definitely the best way. Just hit me up, shoot me a message. If there's any questions you have, I'd be happy to, to answer anything I can for you. Um, if you're interested in it, like, Hey, I might want to work Is it Eli the you. travel guy? Yes. Just well, Eli travel guy. Yeah. No, the just okay. Eli, travel, Eli guy. travel guy. And I'll put it, I'll put it in the show notes there too. But one thing that I want to go on that you posted on Instagram that I really liked recently, you explained an American credit card that you got, that you got, Oh, you're like, Oh, I got this, like this seat just because a piece of gum. Can you like, briefly yes. go into that yeah yeah so so this is a really fun one so there's a card called the american airlines aviator red it's a barclay card bank or uh, issued by barclay card um or sorry barclays bank but basically what it is is it's going to give you sixty thousand sign up bonus points when you spend your first purchase doesn't matter if it's 50 cents 500 whatever it is first purchase you're getting sixty thousand points and we'll, we'll pay that and then the annual fee in the first month so they'll bill you like after your first statement it's like 95 bucks or 99 dollars so after you make that purchase, you get your 60,000 points. Now I bought a pack of gum. I got 60,000 points. I then used those 60,000 points. This was like a year later, but I flew from Miami to LA first class again, lay flat seat, the whole thing. And it was like a $900 plus flight and it was only 20,000 points. So I was getting for that one pack of gum and the $99 annual fee. So basically for a hundred dollars, I got basically $900 value for 20,000 points. So if I did that three times, I'm getting 27 hundred, $2,700 worth of value just from that one purchase. So Crazy. that alone is, is pretty fun. Yeah. Now that doesn't happen every day. And sometimes it can be a lot more actually, but when you start to think of that, like it's not very hard to apply for a card and have that help your credit score downgrade it. So I don't pay the fee again. And now I'm getting free flights. Like that can be, it can be as simple as that. If you want to break it down. I love it. I love it. Okay. And so to wrap up, there's one question that I love to ask everyone that I meet and in particular, everyone that I have on the podcast. And this is the perfect question for you. But if you could travel to anywhere in the world, time, money, distance, none of it mattered, where would you go and why? Hmm. Okay. And we're assuming that COVID rules don't exist, right? Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So right now, the burning place that I'm like, this is my epic bucket list spot would be New Zealand. 
Mm. Yeah, it just looks so cool. Everyone that I get, that I talk to that goes, no one I've ever talked to has been like, I went to New Zealand, it was okay. Everyone's like, yeah. it was amazing, it was mind blowing. And like, that's a side of the world I haven't been to. So that's my number one right now. But I say that and then I have like a really close numbers, two, three, fours, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like I got a lot of places I wanna go, but New Zealand is the, is the number one. What about you? I'm curious to know for you. So it's funny because like, first off, our most recent guest, someone they, like one of them said, they're like, New Zealand, that's my place. I've had another guest that said New Zealand. And I, I have been to North Island. I haven't been to South Island yet. And so South Island is really high up on my bucket list. And the number one thing on my bucket list in general is to go paragliding in South Island. And nice. it's like in Queenstown scares the life out of me, but I want to, I really want to do it and get out of my comfort zone there. So South Island, New Zealand, Queenstown, that's definitely really high up. So if you want to travel, buddy, let me know. We'll go, we'll go paragliding together. Um, but I'd yeah. also probably say I haven't been to the continent of Africa yet. And I'd really like to go on a safari. So preferably either like Tanzania, South Africa, or I have a really good friend in Nigeria that I want to go visit. So somewhere on the continent of Africa and probably in those three places, that's my like go-to right now. Amazing. I did go to Africa. There's so much to see there. And it is like one of the best travel experiences you can ever have just from, for so many factors, just amazing people, very humbling um, but like so beautiful too. And it's so different in each country, but one of the places that everyone should put on their list if they're adventurous is going to Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. They have like some pretty cool outdoor stuff you can do. There's the devil's pool, which we did when, uh, when I went, which you can look over the waterfall. Um, really, really, really fun. We did. Like, I don't know if I could do it. You can handle I, like, it. I, I bet you, you can. Once you're there, you'll be like, I gotta do this, but it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. Um, but beautiful place and uh just like one of the most unique spots i've ever been amazing well eli thank you so much this has been so informative to myself who's not even a beginner so i'm really i'm really excited to hear what resonated with everyone so i'm sure that people will connect with you and again eli travel guy on instagram and i'm just i'm really excited for this i think that making travel accessible for people and breaking down those stigmas is something that is really important because people think that they have to have a lot of money. They have to have a lot of time to travel. And you and I are two people that walk the walk to say, no, you don't. It's just uh, prioritizing and making, making a commitment to this and also being comfortable saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. Let me reach out to someone and ask for help who's an expert. You know, I think there's um, a lot of great stuff there and I'm excited to see where our paths are going to cross in the future. It'll be somewhere epic. And and like you said, if you are listening to this and you're like, I don't know where to start, reach out. That's the biggest tip I would give. I spent so, I probably have spent thousands of hours reading about this stuff. I eventually ended up hiring someone like down the road and just paid for it. And I was like, I learned everything I really needed to learn for the most part within a couple short months. It saves you so much time. So if that's something you're really, really interested in, I would consider looking at everything, the whole picture, but um, definitely dig in and learn this stuff because it's, it's totally worth it in the long run. Man, how great was that? A huge special thank you to Eli and for all the knowledge he just shared. Because, you know, whether you are a beginner, an expert, or anywhere in between, I'd encourage you to connect with Eli at Eli Travel Guy to just keep learning and ask some questions. The world of travel hacking and credit cards can seem super overwhelming, but 
There's people like Eli and myself who are here and happy to help you however we can. So thank you all for listening. I hope you have a great week and we will see you here again very, very soon.